Hello, and welcome to Fresh Off the Vine, the podcast about money, sometimes about wine, and always about getting better with time. I'm Karen Coyne, Certified Financial Planner Professional and your host. My goal with Fresh Off the Vine is to bring content to help make your life better. As a CFP, sometimes the topic is tied directly to your financial life, sometimes it's more indirect. Financial issues have a way of weaving and vining into the many aspects of our lives, and Fresh Off the Vine is here to open up and uncover these issues. There are many conversations I'd love to have with clients, colleagues, and friends, but we don't always have enough time during a progress meeting or a lunch or a happy hour to cover them all. The Fresh Off the Vine podcast was created as a way to have these conversations in between meetings and also to share expertise that is relevant to you and to your life. Thanks for listening and cheers to living your best life. Would you like to align your values into your portfolio? Today, joining us, I have a portfolio manager who specializes in fixed income and now ESG fixed income. Sheila King is a co-portfolio manager of fixed income at Eagle Asset Management. Not only does she have 33 years of industry experience and 33 years at Eagle Asset Management on both the fixed and equity side, today is her 33-year anniversary with Eagle. Welcome, Sheila. Well, thank you, Karen. I really appreciate being part of your podcast. I'm so excited that you could join. I really appreciate it and happy anniversary. Well, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Absolutely. Uh, I feel like this is such a timely topic because more and more clients are interested in incorporating their values into their portfolios using ESG strategies. And as you know, there are so many ways of describing socially responsible investments, whether it's, you know, the socially responsible umbrella or impact or sustainable. Um, And a lot of these terms are used interchangeably. So to be clear today, we're not going to try to uh, do a dictionary definition of each and every one of those. And I I think it's very difficult to do just because they're used um, not really consistently in the industry either, but rather just to shed some light on exactly what you're doing uh, with your portfolios and, you know, especially given the experience that you have in the industry and, uh, you know, where, where you see this heading. So really looking forward to it. Wonderful. Um, I will start by just giving a little bit of background for those who aren't too familiar with ESG and what the heck we're talking about or what it is that they're seeing every time they see ESG. So ESG is usually under the umbrella of socially responsible investing, um, standing for environmental, social, and governance. So it's uh, looking at a set of factors beyond just your traditional metrics that you would use for evaluating a company or an investment. So for example, um, in addition to evaluating a company for cash flow and earnings, you're also looking at, you know, how is this company integrating uh, the work that they do in terms of, you know, how, how are they behaving as a steward of nature? What are they doing to reduce their carbon footprint? Um, socially, how are they managing their relationships, not only with their shareholders, but with their customers, with their community, with their employees? Um, and then governance, you know, how are they handling issues of leadership and pay? 
Um, so I think this is interesting because, you know, you're evaluating, for example, in bonds in your universe, Sheila, you're evaluating companies not only for, or I should say issuers for, you know, the ultimate uh, goal of stable income and total return for investors, um, but you're also looking at this whole other area of research that still is very much uh, making itself available to the world, isn't it? Correct, correct. It is very interesting. I think times are changing. Uh, really, the ESG perspective, it really got a big push over in Europe. And I think we're starting to see that coming over to the U.S. So I think that it is interesting times. I think Europe is far, far ahead of the U.S. But the goal is focusing on getting corporations and even municipalities to focus on sustainability being a good steward in the environment to the environment as you mentioned all of the things with employees having a good focus there as well as their community so i think that it is a very important aspect and i'm very excited to see the growth coming into the u.s so when i heard about eagle launching an esg fixed income portfolio i was immediately captivated uh, we often think of ESG on the equity side, how we're evaluating companies. So I would love to hear how you were led to the ESG space and particularly in fixed income. Of course. Well, one of the things I guess over time, I've actually been investing in corporations that had a diverse board of directors, uh, diverse management teams, and I really decided to take it further. I would say June of 2018, I was out in Aspen at the Aspen Ideas Fest, was uh, sitting in and attending some panels on women-owned businesses, uh, success of companies with diverse management teams, as well as uh, listening to a vice chair of a very large investment company speak about what at the time was pretty controversial, strongly pushing corporations to focus on sustainability through managing their environmental, social, and governance risks. You're such a pioneer, Sheila. I mean, you have 33 years of experience um, in a field that is uh, still very much dominated by men. So you've been a, you know, a female portfolio manager, which is still a very rare spot to be in. Um, but you also really are a pioneer in this space um, by taking this idea and bringing it to the table with Eagle. Yeah, but yeah, I actually approached Eagle with the idea of opening the ESG-focused fixed income suite of products uh, to invest basically in the U.S. and corporate municipalities after this conference. And I was very pleased and heartened to see Eagle's management very excited about the prospects, our management team, our analysts, our reviewers, also very enthusiastic. And so that really brought, um, you know, some warmth to my heart. I, I just think it's very important that a lot of times the idea has been out there, but you just have to bring it out. You have to talk about it. And again, it's the same thing with clients. A lot of times for you, Karen, as an advisor, you may know some clients that are interested in ESG space and others that are afraid to mention it or ask about it. And so you get to educate your clients about what is out there. That's a great point. Uh, a lot of times when I'm bringing clients on board, we have this conversation and I ask them how important it is to incorporate this into their portfolios. And a number of times people will say, oh my gosh, I would love to. I didn't even know that that was an option. Mm -hmm. Very true. We, we, we have certainly been hearing that. And I think 
one of the things that I really wanted to do as part of the due diligence to see what what was the kind of fixed income needs was ask advisors, what were clients wanting? What were they needing? Because the reality is when you try to build a product and hope they will come to the table, what you really want to do is find out what the needs are and building products for those needs. So I was very heartened to hear, again, as a lot of times I believe the public thinks that ESG strategies are focused on the millennials. The reality is, and, that, and therefore very equity-based, the reality is there are a lot of baby boomers like myself who truly want to invest in ESG space and doing good you know, for our society, focused on sustainability, again, lowering greenhouse gas emissions. It's all different things. And I think that that really is very important. Absolutely. Uh, the other interesting thing to me, I mean, I've been in the business now for about 20 years, and I remember early on having a handful of clients who were very interested in, you know, various forms of socially responsible investing. And at the time, the I feel like the industry response was, well, you can do that, but you're going to sacrifice performance. And now we know that not only is that not true, um, in some cases, these portfolios are doing even better than their non-ESG peers. Very true. I think that that is what is, in some cases, a surprise. It, it, you're not, you know, the old idea of the negative screen, right? You were leaving out you no know, sin stocks, uh, leaving out fossil fuels, uh, a number of things. It sometimes, certainly over a cycle, could have been harmful to the returns of a portfolio. What the ESG integration really is doing is focusing on rewarding those that are up and coming and leading their industries to the charge of being a focus on sustainability. Uh, again, as I mentioned, all the things in the environment, the social and the governance, they're basically taking on the ability to affect change. And that's what we really want to see. They may be pushing others in their industry to do different as well. And by doing that, then I think it lifts all boats. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would expect that we would continue to see more and more companies reporting on these various ESG metrics um, and that continuing to trend up because more and more people want to see that companies are not just doing well for the company and for the shareholders, but they're also doing well for the world at large. Correct, correct. I think it's um, one of the things that I'm really heartened to see is that, again, I think, you know, when you look at kind of the statistics of data, right, on the ESG risk front, as I mentioned, Europe certainly was leading the path. If you look at really differences between maybe equity and fixed income, on the corporate space, again, we're managing uh, and investing in U.S. corporations and U.S. municipalities, so state and local uh, municipalities and such. What is, I think, most important is really just trying to find out again, on the equity side and the fixed income side from the U.S. corporations, you have already provided data. So you have third-party data. Corporations have been reporting this, as I mentioned, through Europe for some time. So you've got the ability to be both qualitative and quantitative on uh, choosing how to invest in the corporate side. However, I would say from the municipal side, what is very interesting is it really is early on in the, the game here. And so you're seeing more qualitative. If you think about it, it is normal for cities and states to have uh, and to focus on sustainable uh, communities because that's their tax base. So certainly they want their tax base to stay around. However, 
think about a lot of the cities have less resources. They may be smaller cities, smaller counties. And so they have less resources to gather the data. Uh, but we truly are seeing and are heartened at the fact that we're seeing more and more municipalities hiring sustainability directors to really get the word out uh, to the investors as the good things that they are doing on the ESG front. Are there any other differences that you would point out between, you know, what you look at, uh, say, on the fixed income side versus the equity side of ESG? I think there's really one major exception for bondholders, and that is that we don't get to vote proxies. So the proxy uh, and the voting proxies has really started to affect changes with corporations has been leading the way. But I would also say on the bondholder side, what we get to see is there, you know, corporations and municipalities bring new issues on an ongoing basis. So they come to market more frequently on the fixed income side. And in that, we're really able to provide our thoughts to management or the leaders in the community and continue to ask the questions, what are they doing to make their companies' communities more sustainable? What are they doing? And are they on target regarding their goals along those lines? So I do think that that is uh, a big difference. Okay. And so there are things that you can do that not quite exactly carry the, maybe the same weight as a proxy, but you can still kind of do these <laughs> substitute activities uh, to share your thoughts, right? Correct. It, it gives us that opportunity, again, whether it's at conferences, whether it's on specific conference calls, uh, and then also, again, going to, in, in the case of municipalities, sometimes they'll have conferences around, so we can basically interact one-on-one with those leaders. And I think that that's important. It is. And it sounds uh, like it could also be very impactful, very powerful. Indeed. Um, I was just having a conversation the other day with someone and their mantra was everything begins with a conversation. Yeah, it's so true. So true. <laughs> and you know, the nice thing is that you can, having that one-on-one ability, especially at conferences and whatnot, it, it really, you could see the determination of those that really do want to affect change because it's just in their nature. They're very proud of it and they really want to tell the stories. Wonderful. Are there, speaking of stories, are there any particular stories you can share that illustrate the work that you're doing? Sure. I I would give you an example. Uh, As I mentioned on conferences, I attended the Sustainable Florida Conference in Orlando and learned how much the the city, uh, the work the city was doing on making Orlando a strong, sustainable community. Not only has the city committed to meeting LEED standards for newly constructed city buildings, they have a better building challenge for municipal energy efficiency efforts to modernize, which I think is really important. Not only are they trying to retrofit more than 55 city buildings, including City Hall, they also have half of the city of Orlando's refuse collection trucks basically being replaced by CNG or it's uh, compressed natural gas. So that basically makes it 90% quieter on city streets. It reduces CO2 emissions. And you, you think about the equivalent, it's like a the equivalent of planting 600 trees, Hmm. almost taking 325 cars off the road. So again, it's very important to see some of the changes that that can take place, but be aware that the data is probably going to be lagging a little bit. And so those are the things that our analysts are really looking at these qualitative factors. And that takes a lot more research to do than just doing from a quantitative and qualitative aspect. Interesting. Are you also seeing like a positive peer pressure effect where 
companies or municipalities are seeing what some of their peers are doing and then going, oh, you know what? We should probably pay more attention to that. I think what I always try to say to clients is power is money. If you choose to invest in the ESG space, you are, again, the more money that flows into that space and to these strategies, you're really going to have see companies that have to pay attention because they are in the markets getting funding from clients. And if that money is going in that direction, you're going to have more and more companies that don't want to miss out or more, more and more municipalities or states that don't want to miss out. So I do think that you're going to see the changes. And again, we're trying to reward those that are leading the way and those that are kind of up and coming because then the bottom kind of quintile will follow over time or they're basically going to go away. Mm. Uh, that's the beautiful thing. I mean, if you look at fossil fuels, for instance, and I, I could talk a little bit on the ESG integrated front, but ESG integration is not necessarily negative screening. The one thing that I think, as we mentioned, the old Sinsox, that was negative screening. Now what you're trying to do is basically reward industry. So for many ESG funds, they don't have to be avoiding fossil fuels. What they want to do is force fossil fuels to make changes, right? If you look at the fact that uh, Saudi Aramco that brought the, um, uh, their big oil deal, uh, the reality is they were saying that uh, fossil fuels or the oil, oil demand is going to tap out or mature at 2050. So that's the peak. The IEA said 2030. So maybe somewhere in between. But what that point is, is the fossil fuel industry, in a sense, unless it changes, is going to be mature and become a dinosaur, no pun intended. So, <laughs> you know, they have to evolve. And what you know, there's a reason that I am not necessarily invested in fossil fuel industry right now. I'm letting the equity guys force changes through proxy. But what you're seeing is now more and more of these oil companies are trying to target uh, zero emissions, uh, maybe 2050 or whatever. But again, that demand and that force in vote, voting proxies has really started to affect change. So those oil industries or fossil fuel industries have to be diversified into renewable energy as well. Mm-hmm. So you're not uh, avoiding industries um, wholesale. You're evaluating each industry or each sector based on its own merits. Correct. And each, you know, the thing is, each industry is different. So there is materiality. So um, on the ESG risks, not every industry or company has the same uh, ESG weightings, right? There may be some industries that have more E in the G, some have more S. So it really just depends on but what we're looking at is materiality of those risks and how that could have, a, have a, a big impact. Because remember, as a bond investor, what we're trying to do is really focus on lowering risks, right? We want return of our principal and our income or coupon that is coming due. So we want to lower those risks to make sure that these companies are around, sustainable, and not going through bankruptcy or not being downgraded. That has a big impact on the price and the value of the fixed income. Mm-hmm. Yep, and it's interesting because it's really what you're doing is an extension of the evaluation of the credit structure, uh, where you're looking at, you're evaluating, even though you're looking at buying bonds for your portfolio, you're really looking further up the, from the roots up all the way to see what the company is doing as a whole and how they're behaving because there is a trickle down to their behavior, right? If it's good or bad. 
Exactly. If you think about ESG integration, what we try to say is, is this. It is our fundamental research, which we've been doing for quite some time. That's how we do our fundamental analysis, plus ESG analysis of risks and opportunities. So it's those two things, A plus B equals C, which is our buy, sell, or hold decision. That's the, that's the important part of ESG integration. It is basically looking at those two aspects to make decisions not just an overlay or not just that we're aware of ESG risk, but the fact that we are believing in putting equal weight to both mm. fundamental plus the ESG analysis. And what my hope is in the future is that fundamental analysis is literally incorporating the ESG combined so that there really is no, no difference. Right. Well, and I, I mean, if you really think about it, especially the S for social, right? If we think about how important social capital is today in this you know, in this era that we live in, uh, what a negative review can do, what a discriminatory case can do to a company, um, it can be detrimental. And perhaps it is just as important to evaluate how a company is managing their cash flow and what their earnings projections are. Perhaps it is just as important to, maybe it's time to put that S on the same um, hierarchy as those traditional metrics. I would agree. Um, I, I think certainly in today's uh, you know standpoint, let's look at um, the reality. S is becoming a bigger part, a more equal part of the ESG factors that can have material effects on companies and communities. Reputational risks are huge. Uh, we think they can be very detrimental in this day and age, and rightly so. Aspects. You know, thinking about the situations that we've had lately, certainly you want to make sure that you are a little bit more focused on your employees. I mean, if you think about in in certain cases, uh, corporations were so focused on shareholders and they really weren't that focused on stakeholder. In 2019, we saw a number of CEOs sign a letter saying that they were going to focus more on stakeholders, which we think is really, really important. So that's employees, that's the community, it's the supply chain. A number of things, not just the shareholder in general. Yes, and I, I really believe that. Uh, again, clients want to see that their dollars are going towards companies that are not just doing well for themselves, but they're doing well for the world at large. What do you think the future looks like in this space? Well, I'm excited. I think the future looks really bright in the ESG uh, strategies and space. Uh, as I mentioned before, Europe certainly has been leading the way on sustainable investing. Uh, they're way ahead of the U.S. The good news is we're catching up. And I think the more dollars that come into the ESG strategies, the more corporations and municipalities are really going to have to listen. So, you know, as I mentioned, power is money for clients. And if you really choose to want to do good with your investing, and, and focus on corporations and municipalities, that is the best way to do it. Yes, and given our current situation, uh, specifically 2020 with everything from COVID and how companies dealt with that uh, for their employees, for their customers, um, to the social unrest that followed the death of George Floyd, I have said that, you know, a lot of people are upset if they don't hear companies responding to some of these issues. And I have said that, um, you know, if a company isn't speaking up right now, eventually their ESG metrics will say it for them. 
I would agree strongly. Uh, you know, reputational risks can be very detrimental. Uh, the reality is this, that um, I think we're seeing more and more companies and municipalities that are trying, hopefully, to focus on protecting their employees or customers from risks of getting infected with the COVID-19, supplying products. Um, but, you know, those that aren't, those that are not being responsible um, and careful with their clients and customers, I think are going to have real big negative impacts. One thing I would say is this, not making a statement is really a problem. And what it is, is we, we say this, silence has a statement in its own right. So certainly from those aspects, we are looking at that. Mm-hmm. I would agree. And at the same, on the flip side, a company can make a statement, uh, but their metrics will show if it's just lip service, right? Correct. And I think that's the thing that over time we're going to see how, you know, first, what are the statements? Have there been statements? Those that have not made any statements, again, that is a statement. And then over time, especially the back half of this year and going into 2021, we are going to be able to see, again, who had lip service and who actually backed what they, what they said. That's very important. Well, thank you so much for taking time to join today, Sheila. I, who knew fixed income could be so exciting? <laughs> With the addition of ESG, it just made it so much more interesting. I certainly think so. I think it is a, uh, a, a great place to be. And again, it's important for, for clients to really think about all the good they can do. And I think investing in this space will certainly continue to lead down that path. So I appreciate it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thanks again for sharing your thoughts and uh, safe travels and cheers to you. Well, thank you. Same to you, Karen. Thanks again for listening. Please follow us on Spotify if you're not already so you don't miss any future episodes. We'd also love for you to connect with us on social. Search Karen Coyne CFP on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. If you have feedback or if we could be of service in any way, please let us know. And now for your standard disclosures. Any opinions expressed are those of Karen Coyne or Sheila King and not necessarily those of Raymond James. Expressions of opinion are of this state and are subject to change without notice. The information contained in these podcasts do not purport to be a complete description of the securities, markets, or developments referred to in this material. The information has been obtained from sources considered to be reliable, but we do not guarantee that the foregoing material is accurate or complete. Carillon Towers and Advisors Incorporated, Raymond James Financial Services, and Raymond James Financial Services Advisors are wholly owned subsidiaries of Raymond James Financial Incorporated, a publicly owned corporation. Eagle Asset Management Incorporated is a wholly owned subsidiary of Carillon Tower Advisors. Investing involves risks, and you may incur a profit or loss regardless of the strategy selected. Sustainable or socially responsible investing considers qualitative environmental, social, and corporate governance, also known as ESG criteria, which may be subjective in nature. There are additional risks associated with sustainable or socially responsible investing, including limited diversification and the potential for increased volatility. There's no guarantee that socially responsible investment products or strategies will produce returns similar to traditional investments. Because socially responsible investing criteria exclude certain securities or products for non-financial reasons, investors may forego some market opportunities available to those who do not use the criteria. 
Investors should consult their investment professional prior to making an investment decision.